0: Hello everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the ALM Podcast. My name is Nicole Morris, and I am the Marketing and Communications Manager for ALM. Today's podcast was recorded at the 2019 Clean Show. It is an audio recording of our benchmarking session, which was presented by Kevin Martledge of .orgsource and introduced by David Bernstein of Propeller Solutions Group. Handouts from this session and other important links will be available in the show notes of this podcast be sure to visit ALM's new benchmarking program, Laundry Marks by ALM. Laundry Marks by ALM is a revolutionary benchmarking platform that will advance the laundry industry by providing powerful data to improve business performance for single and multi-location laundries. By benchmarking against similar facilities, laundries can use data to improve efficiencies, plan resources and investments, and update business plans. Due to the overwhelming response to Laundry Marks and in order to add additional requested countries to the platform, ALM is currently engaging additional skilled professionals to manage the program enrollment and assist users with data entry. We will begin accepting new enrollees July 22nd through 26th and open the site for your data entry on August 1st. For more information, please visit LaundryMarks.org. And now, let's get to the podcast. Hopefully, your
1: organization uses some kind of benchmarking. Benchmarking is used in major corporations all around the world to make them better. Companies like Xerox and FedEx. And our presenter, Kevin Martledge is going to share some insight with you on the process of benchmarking. Kevin has 22 years of corporate and association experience with organizations such as the two aforementioned, FedEx Office and Xerox Business Solutions, along with Bound business solutions, and the International Society of Culture. If you don't know what that is, ask Kevin, because I don't. Throughout his career, Kevin's translated corporate and executive-level strategic teams into efficient and sustainable solutions focused on the needs of organizations in a transparent and supportive culture. Now, Kevin's got a great presentation. I got a chance to talk to him a couple of months ago, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Martledge. Thank you. All right, well, thank you. So before we get started, the
2: International Society of Arboriculture, I'll talk about in a second, but arboriculture, arboriculture is taking care of trees. So we certified um, people that uh, took care of trees all over the world to make sure they were doing it safely um, and properly. Um, so that's what Arboriculture is, if you didn't know about that. Um, and until I joined them, I'd only climbed a tree when I was a kid and had no idea what all was involved with it. So uh, thank you. So, I'm here to talk about benchmarking today, and who knows what benchmarking is? Chip? What, well, what is what it? What is it, yeah? It's a way of comparing your key
3: metrics with other people to see, compare, and contrast, and see how you're doing.
2: Perfect, perfect. Does anybody use benchmarking in their current organizations? Yeah, okay, all the time, back in the back, or periodically? Not as often as you should, okay. So, what we're gonna talk about today, I like to walk around so I hope that doesn't bother anybody. But I'm going to go over kind of what is benchmarking in general, um, why it's important. I'm going to show you a couple of case studies, both just a generic case study as well as something tied to your industry specific, um, how you go about using benchmarking and what makes benchmarking successful and relevant. And that last part is a very important term and key thing that I want to make sure we get across today. Because benchmarking can take a lot of different forms and can take a lot of different approaches to it. And so if you want it to be successful and relevant, those are some of the things I want to make sure that we kind of talk about today. So as you leave from here and go back to your organizations to do some benchmarking, you kind of keep those in the back of your mind. Um, And then we're gonna obviously talk about it, how you can be competitive um, by using benchmarking. So if you look at benchmarking um, across the, uh, you can go across the industry, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, there's a lot of different information out there. And so I kind of took some of that information that I found, my own personal experience, and that's what we did to create this presentation. But before then, I wanna give you a little bit of history of myself, just so you can kind of see where benchmarking came into play with my career and how we can take that and help to help transform um, the industry that you guys work in. So I joined .orgSource in January 2019 as a senior consultant. .org source is focused on transforming organizations to help get them ready for growth and to sustain that growth. Um, so I work with organizations all over, right now, the state of Illinois and, and the surrounding area on helping them um, to transform their organizations. Um, I spent four years at the International Society of Arboriculture as a director of credentialing. Um, so we had about 40-some thousand people that we certified around the world. Um, I had a team of nine people there that I worked with. I had 11 years working for FedEx office in different levels, various uh, levels as a district manager, a store manager, senior manager. Um, managed 100 people down to about six people. Uh, I spent three years with Bound Business Solutions in New York City as a national account manager. Have you guys heard of Bound? I saw somebody's head shaking. I don't know. But anyway, as a national account manager, so we provided printing services for different locations of financial printing companies around the country. Um, I had three years with Xerox Business Services, where I managed just an account with Eli Lilly in Indianapolis, Indiana, where we did all the printing services for them. And then right out of college, I started with Galleon's Trading Company. Anybody remember Galleon's Trading Company? No? Oh, yeah? They're now Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, so I started as a department manager there. The reason I want to talk about that is because all of those jobs that I've held as an organ- as, in my career use benchmarking in some way, shape, or form. I don't care if I was working with a junior sales associate at Galleons trying to sell some weight equipment to a customer, um, to all the way with the International Society of Arboriculture where we're looking at a global solution for credentialing. We use benchmarking to not only look at how we were performing, but also what can we do to try to improve that performance um, across, the, across my, my teams that I was working with. So I'm gonna kind of take some of those things, as well as adding some things that I found on the internet and some other research that I did to help prepare for this. We're gonna talk about that today. So if you look at the definition of benchmarking, it's something that serves a standard by which others may be measured or judged. So Chip, you mentioned that earlier. That was almost right out of the dictionary. That was great, nice job. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's also a point of reference from which measurements may be made. It's a standardized problem or test that serves as a basis for evaluation or comparison. Does anything up there jump out at you? Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah? Is that what you had in your mind as far as when you came to this session, you're saying benchmarking, are those the things you were thinking of? Good. So what are some common false impressions of benchmarking? It's all about the numbers. It's copying, it's spying or espionage, I like that one. And it's a one-time event. And that comes from the Benchmarking Handbook Step-by-Step Instructions, which is a great reference guide if you wanna go out and you can find that. And it talks all about benchmarking and how you can go about doing it. But those are some things that I wanna make sure that we kinda keep in the back of our mind as well. Because especially the benchmarking is spying or espionage. You can use benchmarking as an industry, as an organization, to not only compare yourself to others in your industry, um, but to also help build those alliances across that industry. Now, there's obviously things that you're not gonna wanna share about your organization or your company um, publicly, um, but for the most part, if you're looking at how you can improve the industry and how you can continue to professionalize the industry and grow the industry, there's a lot of different things you can look at as an organization that can help you collaborate and work together with those people. So, I just want to make sure those are some of the false impressions that are out there about benchmarking, and the biggest point of confusion typically arises from the classification and in the understanding of the different types, which we'll get into in just a second. And this would include deciding what type is best for your situation or your project. You can't just say, I'm gonna do benchmarking, and it's gonna be the same for everybody. It has to be very specific with what you're trying to do and what you're trying to compare and what you're trying to adjust. So what is benchmarking? Key objectives of benchmarking is performance improvement and understanding. You're gonna identify, it's gonna help you identify opportunities within your organization. It's going to help assist you in setting goals for your organization and your company. Uh, It's gonna help provide some discovery, prioritization, and ultimately you're trying to identify a target you wish to compare and to set targets against that to achieve a goal. So we're gonna go through a couple, kind of case studies here in just a second that kind of talks about how you can use benchmarking to help improve maybe a process internally um, or to help understand where you sit in the industry and how you compare to others. So why it's important? It can be a very powerful tool for numerous reasons. So what is one thing that somebody thinks benchmarking could be used for as far as a powerful tool? I know it's 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, right back here. let you know where you're at. Let you know where you're at compared to Yep. Sure, absolutely. In the back? Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah.
3: mean if you were to implement something new inside your business, you could track, you know what did that do?
2: How did it do? mm Mhm. So, you're implementing something new, you're tracking how it's doing, if it was effective, if it wasn't, perfect. So, business development, I hear some of that. You know, you're developing new products, you're developing new things for your industry, you're implementing them, how how are you going to do that? Helping you identify those. Process improvement, what do we need to improve upon in our organization? We may think everything's great, the bottom line looks good, the top line revenue looks good, but we're spending you know, a hundred million dollars doing this, and we didn't realize it. You'd probably realize that if you were doing that. But So process improvement. Industry comparisons, how do you compare to other people? You may be taking the linen industry, and in the industry that you guys are in, and how do we compare to other industries that maybe do something completely different? We do that a lot in association management, where we talk about, say, Uh, Membership numbers, we're trying to grow our membership numbers and we're growing by 3% year over year. Well, how do other people the same size as our organization that do something completely different, how are they growing? 3% may not be great, but you know what? The industry average and if you look at all the organizations in the world, they only grow at 2%. So we're doing okay. So it takes some of that emotion out of there and helps us to make some, some industry comparisons if we need to. Competitive advantage. You know, what are some things that you can do um, as as an organization or a company to get that extra foot ahead of everybody else, your competitors? Marketing plan development. And there's hundreds of others. I could go on and talk about this probably all day, which I know you don't want to do because it's 8.30 on Saturday. Um, But there are hundreds of others different reasons why benchmarking is important. And it is established tool for process and performance improvement, which is what we're going to talk about today. Was is there any questions about that? So all the answers earlier were correct because they fall into the hundreds of others. So what is benchmarking? Another good reference, the benchmarking book, uh, which is published by the American Management Association, uh, they classify benchmarking into two different areas, comparison, targets, and content for comparison. And the type is internal benchmarking, competitor benchmarking, industry benchmarking, and general benchmarking would fall under the comparison. So those are the things you're gonna compare yourself to. And, then comp- and the definition of each are there as well. Content for comparison would be say process benchmarking, functional benchmarking, strategic benchmarking. Those are more internal kind of things that you're going to be looking at to help drive your, your organization. And the definition's there. So the couple that we're gonna look at today are industry benchmarking and functional benchmarking. Those are the things I think are gonna be most relevant when you're talking about benchmarking for competitive analysis. Um, we're gonna kind of focus on, on those two today. Is there any questions on, on that? No? Has anybody read that book? All right, I didn't think so. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a pretty exciting read, I'll tell you that. So, some industry examples. Um, we mentioned a couple. The organizations I worked for in my past um, all use benchmarking. So we have FedEx, Motorola is a big one, the Internal Revenue System, believe, or Service, believe it or not, uses benchmarking, and of course Xerox. And back in 1990, it was estimated that 70% of large U.S. corporations were using benchmarking in some way, shape, or form. So, <clears throat> and that could be at all different kinds of levels and all different types. Um, and if you go out to the internet, you can type in benchmarking, and all these companies come up. There's a ton of information out there Um, about benchmarking and how these specific companies um, use those. I wanna focus a little bit on Xerox um, to start out. So most scholars agree, and if you're doing your research on this, that Xerox was the pioneer that started benchmarking in the 70s. And they did that to compare themselves to competitors in relation to manufacturing costs and product features. Um, They found out that they were falling behind their Japanese competitors in several different areas and we're actually losing market share. And so they were trying to figure out what is going on with this, and they realized very quickly that they failed to react in a timely manner when they identified this loss in market share um, and that they were falling behind their competitors. <clears throat> and so they created a strategy known as leadership through quality, which was meant to help recapture its position in the market, okay? That again is well documented out there. if you wanna go read about leadership through quality because everybody, if you talk about benchmarking, that's kind of the gold standard of what started it all um, and started within uh, the world. So this was their approach to benchmarking is what many believe to be the leading example of successful implementation of benchmarking. And through their program, they were able to reduce costs while emphasizing quality, recover lost market share, and develop a benchmarking model that helped them understand what the heck's going on in our organization. And this particular slide I I pulled from Xerox, the benchmarking story, which is, it it gives you the whole overview about how they developed it, how they use it, how they continue to do it. Um, So one thing that's important when you talk about benchmarking, which I think is really good and why Xerox's program was so successful, um, they had to reduce costs while emphasizing quality. So a lot of the organizations I work with, they may put a great plan in place, they may say, this is what we're gonna be doing, but they start to lose quality. So they're maybe affecting that one metric that they're trying to drive, but then this one over here is starting to fail. So as you're going through this and you're developing your own benchmarking you know, process, you always wanna make sure of, okay, if we're doing this, how is it affecting the, other, the rest of the business? You don't wanna get so nearsighted, you're only looking at that one metric which we'll talk about here in just a second as we're going through kind of their uh, process on this. Um, So the Leadership Through Quality Program identified the following areas that caused Xerox executive team to address by developing their benchmarking model. Through this process, they identified it took them twice as long as their competitor to bring a product to market. So if you think about Xerox, when I worked for them, we had these huge printing machines, which what you have down on your trade show floor is, 10 times bigger than what we did, but it would take <coughs> twice as long as their competitors to bring those, those products to market, just on the printing side. So you can see what kind of market share they're losing if it's taken them twice as long. They have five times the number of engineers as their competitors working on those projects, right? So they have five times as many people engineering these products, <coughs> which are taking twice as long to get to the, the market. And they have four times the number of design changes from conception to implementation. So these are some things that they looked at and you can see how that was affecting their market share. Without even knowing anything about Xerox, if these three things are in place, you got a problem. There's something we need to be focused on. And it was three times the design cost. This resulted in Xerox needing to increase production by 18% annually to keep pace with their competitors. So just to keep pace, they had to increase their productivity by 18%. But if they were able to adjust these other things, they wouldn't necessarily have to increase that productivity to, to achieve the same thing. So by going through this leadership through quality and benchmarking process, they were able to identify these things that they were gonna be focused on as an organization. So not only focused on internal process improvement and competitive advantage, Xerox also utilize generic benchmarking to assist in other areas. If you look at the resource benchmarking for best practices, in total Xerox benchmarked over 200 performance areas during the 1980s. So not only were those four things, they looked at 200 different areas within their organization to try to identify what was going on and why they were losing that market share. So that is a huge undertaking, and you might sit there and say, how do you go about doing that? And so what I'm gonna kind of go over with you today, which comes from the excellence in benchmarking, is kind of the overall Xerox benchmarking stages that they went through, right? Again, this is all well documented out there on the internet if you wanna look at it. Um, But they basically went through some steps that started with planning. They had to identify what is being benchmarked, identify best performance performance for comparison, and determine data collection methods, and actually collect that data. So you can't just go in and say, I'm gonna go focus on this metric. You actually need to do some planning with your executive team or with your, your leadership team to identify what specifically do we need to focus on to make the biggest impact. And at the same time, if we focus on that, do we have that data readily available to us? Or is it going to cause even more labor to collect that data and more time and money to collect that data? And is, are we just gonna be basically you know, it's gonna be a negative thing. We could impact that, but it's gonna take so much of an undertaking for us to collect that, it's not gonna be worth it. So you had to do some planning. You have to then analyze that, so you need to determine the current performance gap that you have, so you're collecting the data, you're then comparing that to yourself and how you do, and then you're gonna project future performance levels. So as an organization, are you gonna be able to achieve that goal right away? Or do you want to say, hey, in two years we're gonna be here, Next two years, we're gonna be here (coughs) and plan it on that way, excuse me. Then you have to integrate. You have to communicate your findings and gain acceptance and establish functional goals. This is a key part. Through all my jobs, I I wish I would've learned this very early in my career, gaining acceptance is key. How many times do we sit in a boardroom If you're an owner of your company, you're making decisions, hey, this is great, you go out and talk to your team, they're like, you're crazy. We can't do that. That happened to me all the time. It got to the point where my team would send me Excel sheets locked up so I couldn't change them because (laughs) they knew I would just mess it up. So you have to make sure you're communicating these findings and gaining acceptance amongst the team that's gonna be in charge of of doing whatever it is you're gonna be doing. And then you have to establish functional goals with functional being key. You don't want, it's always good to have stretch goals and you're trying to get here, but you have to be realistic in what you can obtain between now and that point in time. Action, you have to develop action plans, you have to implement those actions and monitor, and you have to recalibrate benchmarks as, as necessary. So you're implementing all these things, you're monitoring it, you have to put in place a way that you can you know, recalibrate those as you're going. I don't know how many times we'd put some action plans in place and we'd have to change it a month down the road because, oh, we didn't think about that. Or we didn't think about how it was affecting our customers. We didn't think about how that decision would affect our members. We didn't think about how that decision would affect the hourly employee that's coming in on third shift. So you have to be able to be open and honest with yourself and change where necessary to recalibrate. And then maturity. Practices integrated into processes and leadership position was it attained. So not only are you going to be implementing these things, <clears throat> you have to always think about the documentation that goes along with it to be sustainable, right? You're not gonna just implement whatever based on this benchmarking um, and then it's not sustainable, we're gonna forget about it. Six months from now we're looking at it again because we forgot about it, right? So you have to make sure that you're integrating these things into your standard practices and you're making sure that those are documented. And then you need to celebrate your successes as well. You know, once you obtain that leadership position or you obtain that goal, you need to celebrate that with your team. Because the next time something comes up, they're gonna be understanding that, hey, remember that project that we went through? We attained it, let's do it again, right? So all of that is kind of documented in the excellence and benchmarking, which again is another great resource for you guys if you want to look at it. So let's use this really quick to talk about (laughs) <laughs> um, just kind of a generic example. So I'm gonna use a, a nonprofit organization that collects um, continuing education hours, which is much like we talked about in the first slide there, your contact hours. And in this particular organization, it's all reported by the, the headquarters, right? So what's gonna happen is you go, to, you go to the session today, you gotta to submit it to the headquarters, and it takes about six weeks for that to be posted right, to your account to get record for it. Well, and that's not this organization, that's just this generic fictitious organization. Um, so the goal here would be how can we shrink that timeline and how can we get those things processed on to their accounts in a quicker manner? So if we're using this kind of approach that Xerox helped pioneer, you're gonna, what metrics are important to focus on Who in the industry is good at what is being reviewed and how will the data be collected and who will collect that data? So if we're asking ourselves those questions, I'm gonna get with my team, for instance, if I'm the director, and I'm gonna ask them, what metrics do we need to watch to reduce that from six weeks to one week? And how are we gonna make sure that we're doing that? So we would come up with, well, we need to look at turn times and be able to identify how long that's actually taking. And so, in this case, you would put in place a system to to track that. How long does it take? Do we timestamp it when it comes in? And then we can pull from our data system. We can tell when it's actually posted to the account, for instance. Analysis. We're going to then complete a gap analysis on the... Whoops, let me go back, actually. Um, So, the other thing we have to do... Well, I'll just talk about it. Um, after we identify that metric, we need to go out and see who in the industry is good at what we're trying to do, right? So we would reach out to maybe some other organizations. You know, ALM could be one. How do you guys process your continuing education? What kind of timelines are you guys looking at? What makes sense? Or we could even talk to maybe there's an organization within the industry that collects that data and can help us, you know, provide that. In um, the association management—it's ASAE. They have a ton of data. That they do survey work with organizations around the world um, that can, they can provide you that. Um, so then, whoops, well, I'm having trouble with the slides. So then we're going to complete a gap analysis. So we're going to know, okay, our industry best practice is this. Where are we at in comparative to that? And we're going to forecast where we think we might be able to be within a certain time frame. So if we say, okay, you know, we're at six weeks now. In six months, we're gonna make that three weeks, and in a year, we're gonna be down to two weeks, and we're gonna see how we're doing. So we're gonna forecast where we think we could be and outline those, and then we're gonna determine where we wanna be. In this organization, it may not be necessary to have a week turn time on that metric. It may be okay for their members and their customers to have a three or four week turn time on that. So we may have to do some work that helps us identify that. And then we're gonna identify timelines as well. When are we gonna get this done? We're gonna integrate, we're gonna communicate the findings and gain acceptance. So we're gonna review this with the internal team. We're gonna determine goals to help meet the new levels we're trying to obtain. Okay, all of this is taking place maybe in our executive meetings, in our different team meetings that we have, um, and so forth. We're gonna put this in action. So we're gonna develop the action plans. So we're gonna internalize our action plans. How are we gonna do this? What's that mean for employee A? What's that mean for employee B? Do we need marketing help? Do we need whatever? Um, We're gonna develop a way we need to monitor it. And then we're gonna have weekly and monthly calibration sessions um, as a part of this to see how we're doing um, against those goals. And then we're gonna make sure that we're, the policies and procedures are updated as we continue to monitor and adjust. We're gonna identify the results were successful and met. And we're gonna communicate the improvements and changes to performance. So when you make a, a change to maybe your strategy or your organization that's a positive thing, you wanna make sure you're communicating that out to the, to the industry, right? You wanna kinda you know, make, it, make it known that, hey, we did this process and we reduced it down, and now when you turn in continuing education, it's like a week, it's gonna be posted on your account. So that's a value add to your members. That could be a value add to your customers if you have a, a company that you're working for. So, <clears throat> Just to kind of summarize that, it's only as good as the information being reviewed. So in that particular scenario, if I'm reaching out to those other organizations and capturing their information, and they're just making stuff up, I'm gonna be comparing myself um, to data that's not accurate, right? (laughs) So you have to make sure that your data that you're collecting is is accurate and as timely as, as necessary. So a specific area, or best practice must be identified. You have to determine what you're comparing, whether it's internal or external that you're working on. Um, What are the outcomes you're looking for? And how are you gonna achieve those outcomes? So basically, you can go through the steps maybe that Xerox developed, but at the end of the day, these are some of the key things you have to make sure that you're doing in terms of benchmarking for your competitive analysis. And then also, what KPIs you're monitoring will be completed to determine the success? Who knows what a KPI is? Yep. Key performance indicator, indicator, right? Who has key performance indicators in in their organizations now? Good, good. Do you review them monthly, weekly, annually? What, weekly? Good, good. So you're doing benchmarking now, basically. You have that data, so what are you comparing it to would be the next step, right? and then how do you ensure the information being collected is accurate? When you're reaching out to counterparts in the industry, when you're reaching out to maybe other departments internally, uh, when you're reaching out to maybe people outside of your industry, how do you know the data you're getting is accurate? Um, That's the big question. One, there could be some trust. Hey, I just trust that person. I know they're not gonna steer me wrong. Um, One, you may not know what the answer is. Um, but you have to have some way of making sure that that data is accurate. So, a key attribute to make sure that that accuracy is there is you need to ensure diversity. So, when you're collecting this data, whether it be internally or externally, you need to ensure that it's diverse, right? You don't want to just base your analysis on what this person said or this company said. You maybe want to get two or three different companies and then compare their answers to make sure that you have a diverse look at those metrics that you're looking at. You need to have a commitment to the process. You don't wanna say, hey, we're gonna do this big benchmarking thing and then a month later we get busy and we forget about it. You gotta be committed to it. You have to identify the critical success factors and you only use credible information and research. You have to commit yourself to that. I don't care what they say, if I don't think it's accurate, We're gonna go and find a different information because I need to make sure that this is credible if I'm gonna be comparing my organization, my company against that. If you do all of those things, it's gonna build trust and transparency in a lot of different ways. Um, You have to build trust, not only with your internal team, but with the organization and the industry, and it has to be very transparent, right? It's okay for somebody to say, this is how I came up with this, this is how we do it, I wanna be very transparent with you that, hey, maybe this metric isn't as accurate as it could be, but you know what, it's what we're using right now, and can we work together and collaborate <clears throat> on making that accurate? Um, so the end goal with all this is building that trust and transparency. Because as you do that, you're gonna get buy-in not only from your team, from the industry, and from other people in the organization as you're starting to do this benchmarking. So let's look at some linen industry-specific benchmarks. right, that's why everybody came today, I'm sure. So So I wanna thank a couple people helping me come up with this, Chip specifically, um, because much like when I joined the International Society of Arboriculture, I knew nothing about trees, I needed a lot of help to help me understand what is it that is important to you guys. And so Chip helped me with that, as well as some other people um, to help me identify what some of these metrics are. And so I'm looking at it, you have volume-based metrics and revenue-based metric, is that correct, that you look at? So, give me some examples of the volume-based metrics that you may look at in your organization. Anybody? What was that? Pounds per operator, pounds per operator hour. hour. Perfect. Anybody else? Chemical cost per hundred weight. Chemical cost per hundred weight. Okay. Any others? What was that? Cost per pound delivered. Cost per pound delivered. Very good. Are those all up there. Lost work days, recordable injuries, pounds per operator hour, direct labor cost, overtime percentage, limit inventory costs, the list goes on. Are there any other ones that we didn't mention or that are up there that, that are important to think about when you talk about volume-based metrics? Nope. What about revenue-based metrics? What are some things that you guys look at in your industry and in your company from a revenue side? Oh, well, what was it? Indirect costs. Back Cost per hundred weight, fringe benefits. fringe benefits. Okay, that's a good one. What was that? Net profit, Net profit. okay. Revenue per pound, labor costs, garment inventory costs, linen inventory costs, washroom chemical costs. Those are some things as I was doing my research that, that we talked about from, a, from an industry specific thing. And I'm sure there's hundreds of other ones. These are some of the key ones that we talked about. So in order to kind of talk about how you can use this approach of benchmarking specifically for your industry, I came up with a a fake corporation that has three locations. Okay, we can call it whatever we want. Um, But in this situation, there's three locations and we're gonna look at pound per operator hour and the trend that we're seeing over say a four year period. So you can see location one, you have a slight increase over that four year period. Location two, About the same, little dip here and there. And location three has continuously been on a decline over that four year period. Right, would that concern anybody as the CEO of that corporation? See a lot of head shaking, right? So we're gonna focus on, if you look at just the last two years, location one saw an increase, location three saw a decrease. Why is that? We can be very emotional about it and call that person up and say, what the heck is going on? Oh, I don't know, let me look at it, let me look at it. Or we could take a benchmarking approach, take that emotion out of it, and let's get to the facts and see what it is that it is we need to be focusing on to help drive that number in the opposite direction. So if we go into the planning stage, we've already identified what metric we're gonna look at, PPOH, we've identified who the best performers are in our organization, it's location one, they've increased somehow, And we determine data collection method and collect data. I don't know how you collect this data individually within your organization, but we're gonna assume that we have a way that we're collecting that because it's very important to each organization um, and we can validate that it's accurate across those three three locations. Right? How do you collect that data currently? Is it too long to talk about or, yeah, go ahead.
3: You want it to be off your financials, you want your you want to cross check your pounds, the revenue that you generated from those pounds, to make sure that's accurate. If you're checking hours, it want to be off your payroll report. Okay. Production report because those can, production reports can have an accuracy
2: Okay. Is that a painful process for you to look at? Not no. Not once you have it you're set up. Constantly
3: reconciling those reports and trying to get it more and more. Mm hmm.
2: Perfect. So you're looking at that quarterly, probably, or, or semi-weekly, sometimes daily. weekly, sometimes daily. Okay. So in that situation, in your case, something like this, monitoring this and tracking it, you're already doing it. But it'd be very easy to grab that data in and make sure that it's accurate, right? You feel pretty good. You got a process in place. It may not be documented, but you know what? We check it all the time. We're adjusting. So we feel pretty good. Let's go to the next point, right? So if you start to analyze it what's causing that performance gap identified? So this could be a situation where you're calling in the heads or the department managers or whatever, however your organization's set up, and we're gonna talk about what's causing this performance gap. You don't wanna sit there and go, how come you can't be more like location one? (laughs) But you're gonna go in and say, we have an issue across our corporation, and how are we going to adjust that and what we need to do to fix it? And also determine what's acceptable performance level that needs to be obtained. Maybe this is the best, that that organization and that company can do for whatever reason, and that's okay, but we're gonna be on the same page with that. But I can tell you this, as a CEO, the best is gonna be at least sustainable and possibly improving, it's not gonna be going the opposite direction, right? So we're gonna identify what's acceptable and what we're gonna be doing. Then we're gonna to start to integrate. So we're gonna communicate the findings with the executive team and necessary personnel, and we're gonna determine the functional goal that's necessary to reach the desired goal. How are we gonna get there? We've identified that, you know, maybe 120 PPOH is where we want to be as a a corporation Um, and how are we going to get there? And we're gonna set our 2020 goal as 130 PPOH. That's the goal we're trying to get everybody to get to. So now we have accurate data. We have a way that we collect the data that's very uh, usable and we know it's accurate and we've set some goals as an organization of what we want to try to get to. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody's like, yeah, yay raw, let's go do it. And this is how we're going to get there. We're gonna develop some action plans. So we're gonna say the action plans for location one are gonna be completely different for location three, but we're all going to be working as a team to try to get to that goal, right? So you're gonna be working with those individual locations about how you're gonna get there. We're gonna implement those actions. And then we're going to, like you mentioned, we're going to recalibrate those actions. Or you mentioned out there. So we're going to work with that executive team to develop necessary plans, implement, communicate those, and recalibrate as necessary. So when you went in and you're reviewing those things, I'm not mean to put you on the spot, you're reviewing those things weekly. Did you have did you ever have anybody say, why are you talking to me about this all the time? why, why is this important to you? <laughs> They you are know,
3: because if you're going through a cultural change and you weren't looking at those numbers all the time, you didn't realize what was the most important part of your job before. And now somebody's saying, this is the most important part of your job. This is how I'm measuring it. It's natural. Nobody likes to be called out or held accountable necessarily. That can happen, but... Uh...
2: It can, so with that in mind, as you talk, I do a lot of work with building culture and teamwork within organizations, and this is an important part to remember about. You know, how do we get everybody on the same page? How's it gonna be, you know, if I go into your office and say, what's up with your PPOH? You're gonna be like, oh, in my job, am I in, in trouble? What's going on? Or if we can talk about it from the very beginning and bring in all the stakeholders necessary, and bring in the people that we think may be important and affected by this, it's gonna help, because they're already gonna know that we're gonna be looking at this on a weekly basis, or a monthly basis.
3: Yeah? So so anytime you make a change, uh, like almost, uh, I'm gonna say always, the first important step is to make the case for change. There you go. You get in front of your followers and you say, we have to change, this is why, mm-hmm. A, B, C, and D. And you gotta go back to that, fundamental building block a lot behind mm-hmm. that Why are we doing
2: this? Absolutely. Absolutely. you got to get that buy-in, which we talked about earlier. got to be build that trust. you got to be transparent about it. I'm not here to talk about you losing your job. I'm here to talk about moving the organization forward, and here's how we're going to do it. Do you agree with that? Do you have any ideas on how we can do that? This PPOH thing is keeping me up at night. I need your help to help me figure out how to get it moving in the right direction. Let's do that right? Um, so there's our goal. Maturity, practices integrate into the process. Um, so we're integrating necessary changes and documenting those processes. We're reviewing and calibrating to ensure the performance is sustainable and continues. So we've reached that goal. As we're getting to that goal, as we're making changes, we're documenting things internally. Um, I don't know if you have like ISO issues or things you got to be following, but you're making those 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 changes and documenting them because you want this to be sustainable. You don't want to spend the time and effort to do these and to make these changes and to compare yourself and do all this and you forget about it. It's got to be sustainable because you don't want to be you know two years from now talking about hey what happened? We had a good year the year after and then it was over. Yeah.
3: You also have to look at. I mean, some plants out here. slam the PPOHs out the door very quickly, but the quality standards are slipping. There's more dimensions to the whole thing than there could be. Yep. one thing. That
2: plant one might be putting it out, but their customers are coming back at a 25% reject rate. While plant three is putting out work, and they're coming back at less than 1%. Sure, yep. So that's a very good point. We talked about quality earlier, remember? So we're just looking for the, you know, for the for this presentation we're talking about PPOH. But you're absolutely right. You have to think about how it's going to affect things.
3: When that would fall into the sustainability part, you put out 300, 300 PPOHs, but the customers drop it would be like
2: flies. Yep, yep. So maybe in, in your in your instance that you're talking about maybe if you're looking at like I'm visual. I like to have dashboards, charts, whatever. I got to see it because if you tell me, I'm not going to remember but maybe this chart then becomes, you're, you're doing your PPOH and you're also charting your quality at the same time. Direct correlation between that. Exactly, yep, and you could find out as you're going through this that the root cause as you're doing your, your gap analysis, the root cause at number three is, is the quality issue. You know. Um, so absolutely, you're, you're gonna be going in and diving into each one of those steps to determine that. Um, and so our goal you know, is 130 PPOH, Location one and two reached that goal. Location three didn't, but you know what? They showed some pretty significant improvements. So as a, as a CEO, we're gonna be monitoring that over the next year. Let's keep that going. You know, you got to 115, let's say. Can you get to 120, 125 by next year and we'll call it good. We just can't have you going back down, right? Make sense? Does anybody own or manage multiple locations where this could be very relevant? Yeah? How many locations do you manage? Uh, nine. Nine, okay, good. So something like this, This could be a very real conversation with your, yeah, your managers of those locations, right? So benefits of benchmarking for competitive analysis. It can help to form industry alliances and promote information sharing. So in that scenario we just went through, think about the teamwork and the collaboration that you as a CEO is gonna be driving with those teams, just working through that one metric and that one action plan and that one improvement, right? Now take that and let's say, okay, my corporation, your corporation, we're working together to drive that number. We're now building those industry alliances you know, across the industry that way to help. It can provide appropriate transparency into an industry or company. So if you have stockholders, if you have you know, an association management, it's all about the members and credential holders, you're gonna be very transparent about, we have an issue, here's what we're doing to fix it and look what it's meaning to you as an individual when we go through that. You're gonna help determine strategic direction and next steps. So as you're coming through this and doing benchmarking on PPOH, that can maybe go into your strategic plan for your organization or your corporation about, hey, this is a key metric that we're gonna focus on and it really has a lot more to do than just PPOH. It could have marketing implications, it could have production implications, it could have a whole bunch of things. So we're gonna talk about, you know, how that can fit in there. <clears throat> it could be helped to use, develop industry standards. Um, so, you know, it could become a thing where that PPOH at 130, that, that becomes the industry standard. And as you're going through, you know, in the Arbor Culture Association, there's an organization that will go out and certify that your tree care company is doing things the proper way. And some of the things they look at are based on benchmarks. You need to be doing this. You need to have this type of labor. You need to have you know, whatever it may be. So it could help develop industry standards to help continue to professionalize the linen industry and professionalize um, what we're doing so everybody's doing things the same way. Right? Could also help improve green initiatives and help the environment. Right? You could be looking at things that could help um, in that regard as well. So the key objectives of benchmarking is performance improvement and understanding. I think we've talked about that. It can help you identify opportunities. It can help you determine and set goals. It can be used as a method of discovery. It's a great way to help you prioritize. So if you're looking at PPOH and you're also worried about quality, those two are up here. There's other sub-metrics or sub-things that we should be looking at um, to help continue to grow our organization. And remember, there are a lot of variables to consider when comparing yourself to others. And this is another thing that that Chip helped me with is your market size, your plant layout. Is it a manual process versus an automated process? You know, when you talk about collecting data, um, how are we going to do that? If it's going to be, I need to hire somebody just to do this, that may not be the best thing for our organization. Um, It could help you determine different product offerings. So I know in the association world, we do a lot of member surveys to help what do our members want to see? What do our customers want to see? How do we compare to other people that are offering those products? Um, so it could help you determine that. We may need to start offering X. It can help you with process implementation and compliance. And then benchmarking for competitive analysis is only successful if the data being collected and analyzed is credible, diverse, and relevant to the overall goals of the organization or industry. So if you f- forget anything, other, you know, anything I said today, Remember this statement. It's gotta be credible, diverse, and relevant to your goals. Just because location one is looking at PPOH doesn't mean that that's something you should be looking at. It could be. Um, Just because you collected data from locations one and three on PPOH doesn't necessarily mean that that's diverse enough of a sample where you need to go out to another organization, collect that same data. Now let's make a comparison. Um, and it needs to be relevant to what you're doing.